Uh, hello, Cubers. This is the Interactive Cubers podcast. Uh, you can reach us at theinteractivecubers at gmail.com. And with us, we have a very special guest whose name is Felix Emdegs. Hey, Felix. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Suddenly, I feel a lot faster at just about every event. Yeah. Get instant <laughs> so, sub two on three by three. So this is actually Kit Clement. Um, he's a WC delegate, WCA delegate. And if you don't mind, Kit, could you just kind of go into your job and how you got it and what you do? <laughs> That's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I'll start with how I got it. Um, so I lived in the Midwest for most of my life in Michigan, uh, and. Uh, Basically, in 2013 was around the time I started to get back into competitive cubing. Uh, scene was pretty small when I started in 2008 and just kind of lost interest because I didn't have a car or any real way to get to competitions in college, but uh, got back into it toward the end of my undergrad days. So I kind of joined at a funny time where there was just all that we, they went from a bunch of delegates in the region to just about none. Um, and... Yeah, they. <laughs> I started organizing stuff, and then they. Uh, and then one week when I was about to go to a Hillsdale Fall 2013 in Michigan, uh, Ilq emails me three days before the competition is like, "Hey, you want to delegate this with me?" Oh, that's. And a... I was like, uh, "Sure." Don't I need to be a delegate first? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, "That's just a formality." That's a formality. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we co-delegated that. That was my first delegated competition, and. Shortly after, I became kind of the only active person in the Midwest besides Mike Huey, um, which was a lot wow. at the time. Wow. Yeah. So I bet so, you're doing competitions like every month probably? Rough. Yeah, uh, yeah pretty much. Uh, I can't remember my exact to like yearly totals, but I remember 2014, I think I went to like 17 that year. Oh, jeez. Uh, I think wow. 2015, I went to 24 though, and that's okay. when uh, – Two a month, man. Yeah, it was stupid. <laughs> So uh, I've always wondered how how do you balance delegating and competing at the same time? Oh yeah. Oh that's eh, that's easy. Uh, you just don't care about your results for okay. the most part. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't I care do. to some degree. I mean, I would if I didn't care about my results, this wouldn't be fun. Um, but I mean, I rarely do I ever warm up before events. I usually just kind of yeah. go cold and see I what happens. I hate having cold fingers. I have yeah. to warm well, up. I mean, figuratively cold, not like. Yeah, but like I, I had to say, uh, having cold fingers while cubing is like eating cold pizza. It just doesn't work. Right. Yeah, it's never an issue for me. I mean, if you ever see me at a competition, I'm. I. It doesn't matter if it's January. I'm wearing shorts because I know I'm going to be running in circles, uh, and I will be absolutely hot all day. Uh, so yep. that's never, never an issue for me. Uh, especially because I typically, ever since I moved to the Northwest, I pretty much wear shorts 11 to 12, 11 to 11 and a half months of the year. Jeez, man. Yeah. So if I'm not mistaken, you previously lived in Michigan, but moved to Portland yep. area Ish. for school reasons? Yeah, for school reasons. I graduated okay. with my master's from Michigan and was looking to get a degree or a PhD if, so I could teach statistics. Uh, so Okay. There was a program out here in math ed uh, and a professor out here at Portland State that uh, did uh, pretty big research in uh, teaching statistics. So that's where I landed. Um, so here's a pretty basic question. So you said you started in like 2008, right? 
Yep. And I know for a fact cubing wasn't very big back then. And how did you get into it? Because YouTube wasn't very big either. Uh, I mean, for 2008, YouTube was pretty big for cubing. That's pretty much well, for, where everything lived. All right. So there wasn't any, like, very many forms or... Uh, I mean, speed solving existed back then. That's it. Just, uh, just speed solving. Yeah, and it, it still exists now. That's pretty much where all cubing discussion went. It started before even I started it. It was all on... Uh, Yahoo groups. Yahoo. Oh my god. Yeah, that was there was like a speed solving Yahoo group that started in 1999. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, and that was kind of the real beginning of it all. Uh, but it transitioned away to message boards, I believe, like around 2005, 2006. I'm not really sure. Just kind of ballparking it. Um, and yeah, speed solving was kind of the main way to discuss cubing things with other people. I mean, it used to be that when you went to speed solving, you would see a, at least for like English speaking communities, you would see a thread in the WCA section for every competition that was happening in like the US and the UK and some oh, other yeah, English Because there's areas. like not very many happening, so you could fit it on there. No. Right. Yeah. You just, you, you put, everybody posted like a thread so people could talk about competitions and talk about travel That's and cool. things like that. Yeah. It, it was really cool. I remember I never bothered looking at the WCA website for new competitions. I always check speed solving because I knew there would be a thread there when it got up and often there'd be a thread there before it was even officially announced. Huh. That's uh, interesting. All right. So this is, I think a Michigan inside joke. I want to know what the hand thing is. So I'm here's my guess though. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like they say, like I'm from here, and they point at their hand. Right. Yeah. Okay. Have you looked, have you looked at a map before? Is that like the five Great Lakes? Um. What do you mean? Like the five fingers. Does that represent like where you are? Um. Okay, Carlin. I don't understand what you're saying here, buddy. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, so Michigan has like the five Great Lakes. Sure. And I imagine that they're like holding up their finger, saying like, "Oh, I'm from here," and the fingers represent the lakes. That was my best guess. Other than that, I don't know what it means. Um, have you looked at a map before? <laughs> never, never in my life. <laughs> never All looked at right, a map. Um, just, just, just t take a look at the lower half of Michigan and tell me what you think it might look like. I have to. All right, I'm, I'm okay, looking. Okay, so I'm not allowed to use a mouse on this podcast because mine is loud. So I can't look at a map right now. I'm sorry. I'm I'm I'm. I'm not allowed to use a mouse and keyboard during this. <laughs> okay, I'm looking at the lower uh, half. Yeah. Does it remind you? Does the shape of it remind you of anything? It looks like a mitten, sort of. Yeah. Which looks like, like a, like a hand, hand, Carlin. It's your hand. Wow. So that means you always have to hold up your left hand and. I mean your right hand, right? Because it's like yeah, it depends on what you're pointing at. You could use the back of your left hand if you wanted, but uh, oh, typically that makes sense. Carlin, yeah. oh my buddy, oh my, a penny <laughs> That's is actually. Extra... It's okay. You can cut this part out clearly. A penny is a tenth <laughs> of a dollar, says Carlin. Yeah. So last episode, or no, like two episodes, two episodes ago, ago. I, was, I was talking about the currency. It was called a mill, M I L L, and it used to be like a hundred no it was a tenth of a penny and i was like here in the u.s a penny is a tenth of a dollar and i didn't realize <laughs> until the next episode that i said a penny is a tenth of a dollar nice yeah very nice all right so kit how did you like discover cubing like the whole uh rubrics cubing stuff i mean um well i don't i feel like uh 
everyone generally has a really fun story for how they started cubing. Like I remember going to Worlds 2013, which was like the first major competition I was a staff member at. Uh, they had like this meeting for the, all the staff where we just kind of hung out and got to know each other because there were a lot of people from across the country and even the world that were helping out at that competition that just you know, felt yeah. like we, we we should get to know each other. And one of the things that was like one of the icebreaker questions was like, tell everyone how you got started cubing. And everyone seemed to have this like amazing, funny story of like their friend did this thing on the bus or, and then they saw that, that they could solve a cube and they wanted to learn how to beat them. Or um, they had this weird coincidental story where they like happened to meet like a really famous cuber, cuber out of nowhere and then like didn't realize who they were and until they started cubing themselves and was like, Oh wait, oh that's who's got yeah. <laughs> feel um, yeah. Or something like that. Um, I mean, tr most of these people, myself included started cubing before Felix even started cubing. So, and Felix wow. is uh, like <laughs> faster now. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I remember, I remember when Felix posted a fake solves to speed solving with him. Uh, I with, heard about that. Yeah, he he posted an <laughs> average of five with a, a scrambles that all had cross done. Oh my! Oh. Wait, okay, and, so is he doing that as like like haha? This is a funny sarcastic joke. Or was he, or is he actually trying to say? Oh, he, he was this. just he was just a little kid. Everybody makes mistakes in this community. Okay. Like yeah. it's. <laughs> I haven't made a single mistake. Was, yeah, I mean he 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 just scrambled them in a way to make sure they had a cross. Right, right. Tried his best to hide the cross on video and got a sub twenty average and posted Very it. Very funny. Yeah, it's it's funny, and whenever it, it's funny too. Like, it's a great story to tell. Like, people who, you know, think like they're gonna be like excommunicated from this community because they <laughs> a fake solve or whatever. It's like, dude, and now, Felix did it. Yeah, and now Felix can do a legit full step in under four seconds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, no need to I, cheat, guys. That's one of the nice things about this community is that you really. Um, I think it's it's generally a very supportive and welcoming community, even if people, you know, did less than awesome things. Uh, yeah, so. Felix. Jeez, man. <laughs> so, as a delegate, I'm talking about you, not me. I'm not a delegate. But like, would <laughs> would you ever see corner twisting as anything other than a DNF? Because a lot of times, like, there's theories about when Felix got the world record, it was corner twist. It didn't count. People thought it was the scrambler, and even if it does happen in like the in the solve it technically is your fault but it's not like you're purposely trying to do it. just like a plus two would be but it's instantly a dnf like would that ever be anything other than a dnf like a plus two penalty or something um so all right first off uh if you if you watch the 5.33 from felix you can see he had a valid pll with no corner twists before oh. yeah it was very clearly him yeah didn't you see okay. that carlin man geez people um, these days so, yeah, I just want to throw it out of the way. Felix did okay. not – it was not corner-twisted initially. It was just okay. that um, – like, yeah, he had a valid PLL with no twisting of corners, and then it just happened literally – I believe he had a T-perm. I can't remember exactly. Uh, but from what I remember, he did the last, like, F-prime, and that twisted the corner, like, oh, literally man. in the last move. Or it was or it was the AUF. I can't remember. It was – How would you I remember watching it, though. in AUF? I, I'm not sure, but it was an L1 <laughs> B1. Oh, that makes um, a lot of sense, and I get it. <laughs> uh, Clears everything yeah, up. So, yeah, so that's, so that's, that's part one. Uh, part two, um, in terms of wheel corner twists 
be a time penalty rather than a DNF, um, I would hardly believe that would ever be the case. Uh, just because it um, is rather ambiguous as to... Oh, um, big words. I don't, it's 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 not a very easy thing to penalize. I mean, yeah, it's it, you can't it, you know it plus two for misalignments is at least like a valid move away. Um, a twisted corner is a puzzle defect. Yeah, uh, and had that corner been like popped out completely, it would still be a DNF. So mm-hmm. um, the other thing too is that generally the movement within WCA is not to add more penalties, but to remove penalties or simplify penalties. Yeah. Um, one thing that people argue for, you know, plus two misalignments is that, oh, you know, this disadvantages Rue solvers because M's are considered two moves. Yeah, and, and it's a DNF for an M move, yeah. Right, but the the whole thing is, like, you can come up with, if you start to allow slice turns as plus two, you can come up with crazy, wacky yeah. things that, like, just, there's states that you I would show you and be like, that's a DNF, and then I'd re- I could easily reason to you that if slice moves are valid moves, that you could see this as a plus two. It's a plus um, two. Yeah, like, if you had, like, an R2 and an L prime, that's not technically an M move, but it's two sides turned. Right, like, there's weird things that you can do where you could imagine, like, there's a spot where if you do an M move of some degree, that it becomes a solved puzzle, because the other layers become within 45 degrees. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a lot of just. Mind. So yeah, the really, if we want to have you know method neutral regulations that don't preferentially give tr- like better treatment to Rue versus non Rue solvers or whatever, um, we should remove misalignment plus twos entirely and just make them all DNFs. Yeah, just if you didn't solve yeah. the cube, you get a DNF. I should never have an official average then, because in every single one of my theory averages, I've had a plus two. Every single one. <laughs> I've never not had yeah. a plus two in three by three. Yeah, it's, like... <laughs> I mean, the, the one kind of um, advantage uh, to having a misalignment plus two is it does give a little bit of leeway for people to, you know, stop the timer quickly rather than kind of carefully make sure they place the cube down in a solved way and then stop the timer um so i definitely see an advantage in it that it gives like a little bit of leeway to solvers to and if you you do remove misalignment plus twos um it makes the first dnf uh a little scary just because you have to play safe you know every solve immediately after that just as if like in clock my average at causes (laughs) i hated my life (laughs) And even even with clock, this is already kind of a fact where if you, you know, get a DNF because you didn't fully solve it, you kind of have to play safe on the remaining solves to make sure you don't DNF your your whole entire average. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that it already exists for one event, really. Um, but doing that would kind of make that sort of pressure exist for every event. Yeah. Uh, I know so. uh, people, when they're doing feet, when they have to do their, like, U2, I know people, like, sometimes stop the timer with that U2 done so they get a plus two instead of having the time. Like, let's say it took them three <laughs> seconds to do the AUF instead right. of just take the plus two like they do it for a faster solve. Yep, That's... and I'll do the same. If I have a U2 AUF, I will totally do that. <laughs> I don't do feet, but I, I would do it if uh... mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. So this is kind of interesting because – at the last comp, which was, what was Eugene it, Eugene Spring? Spring. Eugene Spring. Yeah. Um, 
So, kid, do you kind of want to explain what happened to my pyramid self? Because yeah. was that? that was really weird. Do you want do to explain you... to me what happened to your pyramid self? <laughs> do, you, do you remember? Okay, so no. I slapped it down, and the tip of it, like, came oh, apart. Oh, you had, like, of. the tip that, like, yeah, nearly, like, exploded off the thing. <laughs> it was like, yeah. that's right, I remember that now. Sorry, so, there's too many too many competitions, I guess. No. <laughs> uh, you... Yeah. Does that count? Was it DNF? <laughs> um, I think I think it still stood. Uh, we okay. we, re- we reported it in our incident report. Nobody disagreed with our ruling to let it stand. Um, it's the the regulation says that like pieces have to be on the fully game. like fully fully placed or fully attached. I believe I can't remember the exact wording, uh, but this gets used like pretty loosely, um, yeah. and. The pieces were still attached to the puzzle in the right place um so yeah it's the, those kind of things are really a gray area um it's really a gray area when you get to like big cubes like six oh and seven yeah because where, like where you get like twist the, yeah pieces twisting in place or just kind of yeah. randomly switching place at, at the last turn or something um Which is so annoying oh my yeah, and it's just kind of like, well, what do we do with this? Like, they're all, all the pieces are attached correctly, and, like, they're all on the right color sides. They're just kind of in weird places. And Yeah, I remember that, because at the February competition, I remember that one guy doing 4x4? Four four? Like, the centerpiece, like, twisted, but it was still technically solved. Remember that? Yeah, that yeah, yeah. That one, that one was a little less ambiguous, just because at least the piece was in its, like, correct yeah, place. it was twisted and... Uh, it was twisted, right. It was, it was solved. Was, you could, you could tell it was solved. It was in the right spot. Like, there's definitely cases where you'll see, like, an X center and an oblique on a 6x6 six six will, oh, yeah. like, sw- switch places a little bit. Which is really weird. I don't know how that yeah. happens. I, I've i seen way too much. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's happened. Um, um, yeah. But it's it's weird. Like, it's hard to rule a lot of those cases. So it just it's one of those cases that just kind of falls into the super gray area sort of area. So, um, yeah, just kind of. Awesome. What do you think is like solved. the most crazy or wild thing you've ever seen in delegating? Because I'm sure you see all kinds of stuff. <laughs> wow, wow, Carlin. Uh, huh. um, <laughs> six by six explosion. <laughs> uh, that's nothing. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, let's poor see. Kevin, um, I believe in you. Yeah, so one one crazy thing that happened at one competition, it was uh, Michigan Mystery 2014. I'm not going to talk about who the competitor was, but I'll talk about what the competitor did. Um, just this this information is publicly available, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of like sifting through what I can and can't talk about. Um, so this competition, it was a two-day competition that had... Um, a few different blind events. I believe it had three, like two rounds of three blind as well as multiple blindfolded. Um, and because it had a long blind event, we had like a separate room going um, for doing multi-blind attempts different from the main competition room. Uh, as a result, you know, we, we had it the whole time. It was just rarely being used. And um, during three blind, we actually around it was late 2014. We had a lot of people in our area that were just starting to get into blindfolded yeah, that yeah. were um, not very fast at blind. <laughs> so, uh, it, you know, above 10 minutes would need to be on a stopwatch timer, likely, anyways. Oh, um, yeah, I get you. Yeah, and 
I had I had given generous cutoffs because I knew that there were a lot of people getting into blindfolded in the area, and I wanted to give them a chance to get their successes. Um, so one thing we did, though, because if we let them compete in the main room, a lot of other competitors would finish their three solves while they're still in one. And generally, when this happens, when like a bunch of people finish a group and there's still people going, the noise in the room just starts to like creep up and get louder and louder because people oh. think it's ending. Um, yeah. So I offered, I offered to a group of these people, like, hey, so you're new to blindfolded, you know, how fast are you? Because if you want, we can have you just do your three blind in the uh, multiple blindfolded room where it'll stay quiet the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, too, is it helped us a bit, too, just because uh, we had harmonica holders already for doing multi-blind. Um, harmonica so holders. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've, you've seen that setup before, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You wear them and yeah. So one competitor, though, um, took advantage of this fact that we they were using harmonica holders um, and when you it, with the harmonica holders, uh, essentially, uh, the paper doesn't go all the way to your chest. There's a little bit of a gap between yep. your chest and the hinges, uh -huh. like and where the paper starts. Yeah. And uh, this competitor uh, just brought their cube right up to their chest. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and was peeking directly underneath the blindfold and uh, DNF their first solve, but turned in like two low one minute times on blind. Dang. Wait, can I, can you pause for a second? How did they DNF the first two? Yeah, how did no, uh, the first one? How did, just the first one. How, how oh, okay. would you DNF that if you're looking at the cube? I'm pretty sure he wasn't looking on okay. the first solve. Good. I okay. think they kind of like evaluated the situation of the room. <laughs> evaluated. The he, he studied it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, too, is that like everybody was going at 10 minutes, and I think the judges were expecting people to take that long. So. He could sneak in, you know, a two-minute solve before anybody would notice that he did it. Oh, yeah. You know, we didn't have any real evidence that he cheated, but we were suspicious of him. Wait, how wait, How would you How would you be suspicious? Did someone see it happen or? Well, something, but we didn't see it happen. And when we asked the people before, like, to go into that room, we asked them, like, how fast they were at blind. Oh, because that's why, yeah, because that guy was kind of faster, so. Right, and he said beforehand that he took, you know, probably that he probably couldn't stack mat a blind solve. Okay. Yeah, and then he gets like a minute. <laughs> World right. record single, so, boys. Right, so it was a little inconsistent. Um, we didn't really because we didn't really have any evidence. We just kind of let it stand for now and tried to see how it would play out. Um, there was a second round of blind that he made because of his times. Yeah. So we knew that we'd have another chance to observe him doing blind. You get like your night vision goggles out and all that, your spy equipment. Or just we would be able to hold the paper ourselves. Yeah. So mm -hmm. <laughs> we could make sure that oh, if he was, we, if he was moving the cube around to dodge the paper blocker, we could easily tell. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, and then the funny thing too is he was doing practice solves. It, this was a younger child and just basically kind of wanted attention, wanted to be one of the cool kids. <laughs> the cool kid. And, he would, you know, pretend to do blind solves and just like, he wasn't very subtle about the fact that he cheated. He was deciding to try to go even faster, and he would he was doing all these practice solves like, in front of other people all day, and all of a sudden he was getting like thirty second times. And uh, so when we when we talked when we got to the final round, we gave him you know the next set of scrambles, and um, you know put a paper blocker in front and he had just no ability to do anything. 
Um, so we talked, we talked with him and his parents and worked it out and told him that his results were going to be disqualified and that oh, there man. would be Jeez. a bigger discussion. So, um, that was probably That's one of the, crazy, probably one of the craziest incidents I've had to deal with. Um, so I have a pretty, uh, question, a pretty crazy question. I've been not, not, not crazy, but a, a pretty interesting question. I've been uh, thinking for like. Uh, six months now. It's like, where the did you The question doesn't get... need prep. Just ask it the question. It needs prep. This is like one of those trailers. They have like those, they show the movie reviews like, this movie was amazing. They like prep up the movie. I got to do that with the questions, man. And it's, <laughs> how did you get your color scheme? Like, I don't understand it. That's a really. Sure. Yeah, I need to, I need some explanation. So um, the first cube I ever bought when I started cubing yeah, I mentioned, I think I never really finished this story, but I, how all these other people had really cool, interesting stories for starting cubing. Mine was um, that I just remembered that the Rubik's Cube was a thing over one winter break in 2008, like Christmas winter break or whatever. Um, and I decided, you know what? I'm going to look up a YouTube tutorial to for how to solve this thing because YouTube had been a thing for about a year and a half by then. Uh, so I was like, you know, there's got to be a tutorial for how to do this there. I've yep. found other tutorials on YouTube already. There's got to be a Rubik's Cube one. Rubik's. So I just looked it up and I just looked it up and I started doing it. Um, the first cube that I had, though, I bought from Borders. Rip. Oh, um, and uh, it was a Detroit Red Wings cube that had four black sides with different logos on it. A red side and a white side for the Red Wings colors with different logos on it as well. So, uh, um, uh, okay, <laughs> it was a disgusting cube. Like it was meant to be kind of one of those collector items, like themed NHL Ew. cubes. Yeah, uh, but it was all they had at Borders. So I was like, eh, whatever. It'll be functional for me to learn at least. Um, and uh, eventually, my one of my high school friends who also kind of started cubing around the same time I did. Uh, he said, yo, there's this website called CubeSmith, also RIP, um, yeah. where you where you can buy uh, stickers, replacement stickers for your puzzles, so you should do that for your own cube. Uh, and I was like, okay, cool. And then, so I ordered some, and while I was waiting for them, he was like, oh, also, you should be edgy and do Japanese color scheme, because you can. <laughs> edgy, be uh, all edgy with it. Yeah, and then I was just kind of like, yeah, sure, cool, I'll do that. And the problem is I didn't understand rotational symmetries of the cube. Oh. Um, and so I did a Japanese color mirrored. So, That's the most um, random thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> Japanese color scheme that has been mirrored. <laughs> yeah, so instead of switching blue and yellow, I switched green and white. Oh, boy. So it had the right opposite colors, but it was mirrored. Um, That's just getting and... really co too confusing for me now. Yeah, so that's where the color scheme kind of was born. But the reason it's now like with uh, black is because um, white cubes back in the day were always a dollar cheaper. Oh, huh. um, just I think because no one wants them. What's <laughs> that? wants them because <laughs> I think it was I mean, just why? because like they were more. I think they were less like actual white and more just kind of the default plastic color, kind of like, like primary plastic oh, in yeah. a sense. Um, I mean, they definitely were whiter than like primary plastics today, but my imag well, from what I'm guessing is that it was easier to produce a white cube than a black cube just because of the way they were manufactured. Um, so yeah. the, th and the thing too is that when you bought a black cube back in the day, it didn't come with white stickers. It came with black stickers. What? Yeah, you could, you, every white cube. Oh, that makes sense. 
you always had black stickers with it rather than white. And now it's different. They come yeah, now, white yeah, stickers now. I was so surprised, like, when I came back to cubing in 2013 and saw white stickers on white cubes and was like... Like, you don't even need the stickers anymore. You just use the color of the plastic now. No. Well, I mean, you could do that, but I don't... It's not... No, you can't. Well, not in competition, but you could, like... No. Yeah, not in competition. Yeah, but, like, sure. it works. It works. Yeah, it's think? functional. Um, but... But yeah, I was I was like just uh, when I came back, I just saw white stickers on white plastic, and was like, that is disgusting. Why would anybody do that? Yeah. Uh, but apparently, people do that. Just started doing that because they didn't like the inconsistency of black stickers on white cubes and white stickers on black cubes. But I thought it made perfect sense. Uh, so, um, huh? That's interesting. So, but yeah. So um, when I switched over to white cubes, I just kept my color scheme and switched the white side out for a black side, and, and that's then how I stuck with born. that. For, yeah, that that's is, the color scheme I've stuck with. There that is go. the most interesting color scheme story I've ever heard. And like my <laughs> color scheme story is, I went to this website called thecubicle.us and I chose colors. That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Nothing else. I mean, that's it makes up for my my boring how to how I started cubing story. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I have the most boring color picking story. All right, Carlin, do do you have something, my dude? Yeah. Um. So there's this video on YouTube, and it's called "How to Pronounce Kate Clement." (laughs) (laughs) You wear this? Oh yeah, it's it's Brandon Michael. Yeah, I know. I've I've known of this video. And the whole video is like squished, like really flat, and it's so funny because it shows you walking around. Yeah. Clement. So how did what's how is that like an inside joke or something? It's okay, so um those are videos that Brandon makes in not a one hundred percent state of mind. I, well he used to make. Um <laughs> where he would just decide in the spur of a moment when you know, he wasn't all together. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> wasn't all together. Uh, and, <laughs> And um, decided to make a video just on how to pronounce somebody's name and would intentionally butcher it as much as he could. Oh, <laughs> Do you remember together. how he pronounced it? Can you? Clemente? It was like Kite, Kite Clement, or I can't. Clement. <laughs> I don't know. I totally cannot remember. Clemente. Clemente, that's what. <laughs> oh, um, God. So, oh, could you talk about Cubing World? Because. I know it's a channel that it's kind of like a big collaboration, but I don't know how people get on there. And specifically, um, I saw a video recently, and you were talking about why you left the community in the first place. Because you originally left and then got back into it, and that mm-hmm. was because um, of like people being mean to other people because they're starting out and being slow, I think. Was yeah. That yeah, there was a little bit of that back in the day. I mean, it wasn't a like a prevailing problem in the community, but it was something I saw back in the day. Um, just that it was... Um, I felt at times it was almost a, a little bit too inclusive of a community, which um, I don't think is too much of an issue today. Um, but I felt like it kind of had that feel back then just because it was a lot smaller. Um <laughs> But, I mean, really the main reason I stopped cubing was more just that um, I didn't have a way to get to competitions. And there were so few. Like, I I organized the very first Michigan competition in 2009, um, and it was hard to get anyone to kind of come back and and come delegate again. I didn't have friends that I could carpool with. (laughs) I didn't have a... 
I didn't. Well, no, because there was nobody cubing anywhere near wow. me. Right. Um, most people that most people that were cubing in Michigan were like four or five years younger than me. Um, like James Hildreth, who's now the delegate in Michigan, he was at some of those early 2008, 2009 competitions and he was a baby. Like I, I was in high school and the kid was like 12 or something. <laughs> 12 <laughs> equals baby. How dare yeah, you? <laughs> I basically, yeah. He was a baby. I mean, yeah. there's no two ways about it. Like I, as a 17 year old, I wasn't going to be friends with a 12 year old and get, <laughs> you know, a ride to a competition. Yeah. From drive them. me, I mean, Mr. 12 year old. Yeah. I mean, or sense. like his mom or whatever. Um, and like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're great friends now just because, you know, a five, four or five year age gap doesn't mean as much when you're, you know, yeah. in your 20s together. Yeah. So uh, we're great friends now. Um, so but, you know, back in the day, like all these little kids, I wasn't going to get a ride with them to a competition. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, back to so, Cuban world. Yeah. Cuban world. How did that start and how did you get involved with that? So Cubing World was kind of a project of Noah Arthur's. Yeah. Um, he was he was the mind behind the whole thing. Um, so I kind of joined on the later half of Cubing World um, when he was, like, refreshing a lot of the people who were updating the channel. I can't remember what season I joined. It was either three or four. Um, and by remember. the way, Cubing World is a YouTube channel, and they pretty much – give off cubing tips from a bunch of pros and it's just a big collab project. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool channel. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I'm on the channel right now and I'm going to the upload list and from three years ago, top 10 mm. videos you will never see on cubing world with Kit Clement. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to add that to my watch later list now. Yeah. That, that was uh, one of, that was a joke comedy video that Noah and I did together on a Google hangout. Um, it was probably one of the one of the last Cubing World videos too. Yeah, was... there's like ten or twelve more after that, and then just stopped yeah. two years ago, which is kind that of was... sad. Yeah, and it's mostly just because Noah stopped running the whole show. Because um, yeah. he was, I mean, I, he didn't start it. It was some other person. I'm not really sure who who started it, but he kind of um, really pushed the channel hard and got it to a very good regular content schedule from about like twenty late 2013 to 2015 or so. Um, yeah. But he, he then started school at Stanford at 20, in 2015 and just kind of was like, eh, I don't have the time for this. And yeah, that, yeah, I also that, don't have somebody to hand this off to who I think can do it as well as I could do it. So he just kind of let it die. Oh, that's that. Phil yeah. Oh, there's uh, Phil Yu from five years ago on here. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of fun stuff on that channel if you want to dig around. Yeah. Um, just because they were able to get the attention from it, which is why I think that Cubing World in the end wasn't really a sustainable project for somebody who was going to just be putting time into it for the love of the channel and not for you know any sort of gain or anything like that. Um, yeah. So. All right. Yeah. Um, I have something to talk about here since since you're a delegate and you know quite a a lot about competitions. And that sure. is what to do at your first competition. Because I know, remember when I went to my first competition, I watched practically every video on the internet about what to do at your first competition. And it was pretty confusing. So if you could like give like a quick <laughs> sum up of like the basics and all that. Um, sure. I mean, there's a great video that Chris Olson and I made together. Yeah, in I love that. I keep, I still watch that video because it's just interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we spent a lot of time prepping that video. Um. We had a lot. Of, it was uh, made at I think Dixon's summer 2015. 
I think yeah, that's it's, right. It's kind of an old video, yeah. though. Yeah, it's definitely old. But like we were messaging because we, you know, I lived in Michigan, he lived in Minneapolis, so Dixon, Illinois, was kind of like the driving midpoint of the two yeah, of us, yeah. and it was one of the few chances that we were ever going to go to a competition together, uh, unless one of us were flying or going to nationals or something. Yeah. Uh, so we were like, "Yo, this is a great idea. Let's like plan a script and all of that for this." And um, so we had a lot of planning the Friday night, like when we were all at the Bershon's house, um, you know, just like having dinner and stuff. We were chilling and like really hashing out the final details of how the video yeah. would go. Um, and then Saturday morning before we opened the doors to the public, we did the filming of all of that. So all the equipment was kind of already set up, um, but we didn't have anybody else but us there. So it was kind of like a perfect filming environment. Yeah, I was wondering, uh, like, why are there no people at this competition? <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we did it like bright and early in the morning and kind of locked everybody else out. Um, <laughs> but it was it, we did it well before check-in was supposed to open. So um, we got everything done, got all the shots we needed in. Um, and it was a cool project. I was really happy with how that turned out. And it's a great, great yeah, resource. It's, it's, it uh, was really easy to understand it. And it was kind mm -hmm. of funny in a way. Yeah. And it gets you all the necessary things. Like I think before that video was really ever released that nobody knew a lot of people who had come to competitions would have no idea that there were plus twos for things that aren't misalignments. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that like there were a, there was a proper way to start the, the the and start and stop the stack mat timer. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that, that was like a yeah, and I think that was a really great video for that because I think you know now compared to like early 2015, people know much more about you know penalties for starting and stopping the timer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is awesome because we had those regulations in for a long time, and I don't think anybody cared about them before. Um, I still think it's always, I think at every competition, there's always an improper start or stop that happens that a judge doesn't catch. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen uh, a lot of those actually when I'm judging and I try to tell them, but then mm -hmm. the, I, I give them the penalty and then they just get really, really upset. And I show them the, like the, the sheet, you know, that you guys put out yep. with all the penalties and they just like. I like feel bad now because they're like starting to cry. Yeah, it's not I'm, your fault. <laughs> I know, but I just feel bad because they don't know, and that's why like you need to watch that video or read yeah, it. Yeah, or, or or just come and watch made... the tutorial I do before every competition. I mean, it's yeah. not really yeah. your fault that they didn't pay attention. I know, to but I, just, I don't know why. I just still feel bad because they don't know. But I mean, like, it's not my yeah. fault. It's your fault. No, but... and you could always you can always call me over too if that's ever in it or it, whoever the delegate is. Like, if you do notice a penalty and it turns into a you know argument or a little kid crying situation, like yeah, that you can always call your at the you can always yeah. yeah you can always call a delegate over to help resolve it. Um, yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> that's yeah, why so, we're here. Yeah, Carlin. Roughly, how many kids have you made cry? <laughs> oh, uh, too many. Wow, Carlin, <laughs> why did you have to go I've, there, buddy? I've seen too much. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, and generally, I try to uh, avoid that whenever possible. I mean, it's like on one hand, you know, you don't yeah. want to, you know, you don't want to be the one who ruins a kid's day. But on the other hand, it's like you can't just ignore regulations that exist. They're yeah. there for fairness. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, it's always a tough situation to deal with, you know, emotional situations. Uh, but, um, I feel like over the years I've done a better job recently of diffusing those situations as best I can. All. 
yeah rather than kind of you know egging it on as i've seen a lot of people have issues with like they just yeah. don't know how to deal with emotional things and just kind of say well that's the final call and i'm blah 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 i'm done with here <laughs> with you here and oh man yeah well, um uh, there was a one there was one tough situation recently where we had to dnf a kid's first three solves because he was wearing headphones oh and that's no, interesting yet nobody noticed it until solve three and the the competitor had been to several competitions and never had a problem with this so i don't was understand like, well, the thing about the headphones like i know i probably should read the regulation but like is it because like you can like someone can talk to you about the scrambles while you're solving or yeah that's precisely it and okay, for a long good. time we, we we allowed like electronic headphones so long as like they were you know non-wireless and didn't have anything plugged into them or anything like that um, but we kind of scaled that back a year or two ago just because it was um, impossible really for us to determine whether like the capabilities of headphones or whatever they were wearing. Mm. Um, I, I only have one more thing to talk about. I'm just going to like forget that Garland is here, right? Um, and I'm only. I, I'm still here. Wait, really? We kind of sidetracked. We kind of sidetracked an entire question, though, didn't we? Well, that's yeah, pretty we much did. the whole podcast. <laughs> so this is um, Carlin, so Jeffrey, have... ask your question, and then so, I have like one um, more. Then I don't we'll know uh, what you have to really say about this, but I found this really interesting. The way you proposed the Lauren, that was really <laughs> cool. I really yes. liked that. That was yeah, that like, was fun. With using the treasure cube, and I was I'm, I, I like that. Like where did yeah, you, like found... where did you come up with the idea for all of that? Um, I just saw that the puzzle existed. You're just like, <laughs> oh, this is, a... and then you guys made like a an, uh, a pixel art with all the cubes, and then yeah, yeah, that was just just to kind of make it a little more original than just using uh, another yeah. person's idea that uh, like as Oscar yeah made Oscar the made that. For somebody else i decided like i need to do something that's a little more original than just kind of borrowing somebody else's idea um but i guess doing it within a, a wca competition kind of adds that element too so yeah that was just really interesting like i i, I was going through uh chris's videos because uh i bench watches and i just see this i'm like what is this and i watch yeah. i'm like this is the most creative proposal i've ever seen in my life yeah it's a shame too that i put my water bottle like right in yeah. Viewing distance of everything that was happening. <laughs> that dang water bottle, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I should have planned it better. I'm pretty sure. So the camera that was there, we kind of, we, we were a little stealthy to make sure it didn't seem totally obvious that we were recording this song. I was song. wondering about that. Because, like, how yeah, could you, like, hide it? Was, it? <laughs> we, had, we had Chris do um, his 3x3 three three average, the group before Lauren's. And he just kind of, we set up that camera with the tripod. And we, he was like, hey, do you mind if I do all of my solves at this station? Oh, so okay. I can just kind of leave my, my camera here and don't have to move it around and set up every single solve. Um, yeah. And we were like, yeah, that's that's fine. <laughs> um, but then Chris decided, then that was the way that Chris could just kind of, because we were hurrying. do it. Yeah, yeah like he, he was hurrying and helping the next group get through and just left the camera there recording. Yeah. So One of the it, greatest parts is like, you kind of like build everything up and everything's coming together and you pull the ring out and you're like, oops, wrong hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a big deal. It's the wrong hand. Yeah. You know, you can't plan every detail out. Right. Was, yeah. <laughs> the little ones get overlooked sometimes. The big, uh, the big water bottle mistake, man. That dang water bottle. Yeah. Stupid water right, bottle. Carlos, been... Do you have anything left? Yes. Uh, so what is... So people, there's been lots of rumors about like new 
events being added to the WC. I hear cuboids being talked about a lot, or mirror block, mirror blocks. <laughs> I hope does not happen. Please no. Um, what would you say? <laughs> Good is as a WCA delegate. What would you say is the best possible cube, like the, the one that has the highest chance of being added at this point? That's a good question. So, um, so here's my personal view. I cannot say that this reflects the views of the WCA, um, but this is my own personal view on events. Um, and I think I think many other WCA officials personally also have similar viewpoints as me. Uh, but I don't want to say that this is the in d the WCA's view as a whole. Yeah. Um, okay. But that being said. Um, I think that currently the events that have the best chance of being added in the near future are probably Killaminx and Team Blind. That would be my oh. guess. Team Blind uh, would be interesting to like that for would be penalties awesome. for for penalties though. When I when you really think about it, be... I mean, yeah, there's a lot of difficulties with Team Blind in terms of storing the the results and also like making sure that like there's no information being transferred. I'm not sure if that's what you were gonna say. Yeah, about like, penalties. Yeah, like someone could like sneak in as like another partner for like another person and just know the exact thing, you know, what what to do because they already saw it happen. Right, and that's it. it... Team Blind. The reason I think it's I think. I think it's the event that most people want that it's are fun. within the WCA. Really yeah, because yeah, it's fun. It's different and adds a team element an element to an event which the WC doesn't have at all yet. Um, and it's not like like of course you could turn like re like team relays into an event, but it's that's an event that doesn't require a team aspect. Like team blind requires a caller yeah, and a solver. Yeah, you need yep. that person to solve. Right, which yeah, because like doing team relay three by three is just doing three by three with multiple people it's not really adding yeah, anything new. like what they did at worlds right something yeah with yeah. the nation's cup, cup or whatever, or whatever they called. did yeah <laughs> um so um yeah the so i think that really if you're going to add a new event i think it really needs to be something that completely stands out from the set of events we currently have and Team Blind, in my opinion, is the event that stands out the most from yeah. any possible event that you could add to the WCA. Because Killaminx, okay. or Kibiminx, however you want to say it, is basically the Mega Minx. There's really no difference. Like, you don't you don't need any tutorials. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's like the same yeah. thing, so. Right. And, uh, I mean, it's not totally the same thing. Like, a corners-only dodecahedron puzzle is actually kind of interesting in... Yeah, but it's really it's, similar. It's not... Yeah, it's similar. Um... But it, the, the reason I say it's also somewhat likely to be added is just because it has a large popularity. It's been held as an unofficial event many times. Yeah. Um, I think some people can make a case for Ready Cube, um, but there's one big reason why I'm personally not very interested currently in adding Ready Cube, and that is that it is backed by Moyu. That pretty much nobody wanted to do Ready Cube competitions. Um, the, the, yeah, so I feel like if we add huh. Ready Cube in the near future, that there's there's a dangerous precedent we'd be setting. Um, in that, Ready Cube never would have had unofficial competitions if it weren't for the fact that MoYu supported it financially. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I feel it's a dangerous precedent unless like there's actual grassroots like people wanting to do Ready Cube not for MoYu money. Um, 
that I don't really see the mo- the ready cube competitions that, that are done unofficially as really being evidence that the community wants this event. I think there are many community members that want it as a result of the popularity that the MoU competitions have brought. But I don't think that anybody has really done many unofficial competitions of Ready Cube that weren't sponsored yeah. by MoU. And it's kind of dangerous if we do kind of allow that thing to happen because you'll start to see manufacturers just making random puzzles out of nowhere. And seeing if they thro- can become an event. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that becomes a little scary to, to kind of go down that that's, that road. Um, I think if there's a lot of interest in Ready Cube, though, organically not because a cube company is the one that's pushing it i think that would be more ideal but i haven't seen that yet whereas Killaminx has truly been grassroots community focused yeah and it's um, been made by multiple companies so it's not just right mm-hmm. right there's a lot of issues with the wca right now um in terms of growth that we're having a hard time dealing with um i mean if you just look at the number of competitions that are happening per weekend uh, it's insane, yeah. uh, even just yeah. compared to last year. And the structure within the WCA, like we've added a couple new committees, uh, but the existing committees, like the work that they are putting in, especially groups like the results team who have to deal with uploading results, making sure record markers are accurate, that all of the time limits and cutoffs were with upheld, and making sure all these different things, that are, all the results that get uploaded to the WCA are pristine. Um, yeah. That's a lot of work that's now fell on their lap. Um, the regulations committee, um, not only do they deal with updating the regulations, they deal with interpreting incidents at competitions, and they are severely, I mean, I, I wouldn't say they're backlogged. I think they're doing a good job of keeping up with the high-profile incidents, but it's, right now, there's just not a lot of, um, I don't know, It's we're, we're growing, and we have a lot of issues currently. Yeah, we're growing... Net, I wouldn't say too fast. Like growth is great. Um, it per- yeah. it gives us good challenges. Uh, the thing is that the, the challenges we really need to get through at this stage are ones about, you know, making sure that our model for hold- holding WCA competitions will hold up long term. Um, and currently, yeah. the model that we have right now is unsustainable even in the near future. And that's kind of the big thing we're tackling right now is how do we change our current processes in a way that we can maintain the growth that we are currently having uh, without, you know, losing the quality of competitions we have currently. Um, And while I think that team blind would be so much fun to add, I am a huge, huge supporter of adding that as a new event. Yeah. It's so complicated to add it. Yeah. It's right now. Yeah. You have to change so much about the results database. You'd have to update the regulations and results and regulations right now are probably the two most overworked teams in the WCA right now. Um, and they do not need more work to do as well as software. Software has been doing an amazing job at, you know, getting our new WCA registration system up and running as of like a year ago or so now and getting payments integrated with all of that um, and doing so much other besides behind the scenes work to make the WCA website awesome. Um, It is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Like they've done, yeah, they've done so much good work in making the WCA website work as well as it does right now, but there's still even more work to do. Um, And adding an event like Team Blind where there'd be all of this like paired teams results way like we need new database formats for storing team yeah. results because you need um, to like share it with two wca profiles and right uh, 
right now, yeah, and right now every line in an ex- in our spreadsheets or in our database um, is dedicated to one single person. Yeah. So right now the current way we store results would need to be altered slightly to account for potential team events. Um, so um, it's a non-trivial update. I think in theory it's a great event to add. I think currently though in practice it's hard to consider adding an event that complicated um, with so many other priorities that we need to worry about. Um, And yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's about it. (laughs) That's about it. Um, Well, Well, uh, anyways, um, just kind of as a closer, uh, I have set up a little mini game if you would like to play our mini game kit. Oh my gosh. Carlin, okay, I'm ready for this. This is what I'm going to call it the Cubing mini game. That's pretty and, crazy, dude. Yeah. So I have a couple questions. I'm going to go rapid fire. You have to answer them as quickly sure. as you can if you know them. Um, okay, here we go. What is DG Cube's name? Daniel Goodman. What is J.R. Cuber's name? You can do it. Uh, something Roberts, I think. I can't remember his first name. I think it's Jesse. Je- That's it. What? No, it's Jesse what? Hartnett. Je- Jesse Hartnett. What is really? the current largest oh, okay. by in by in? Uh, physically produced? Yes, yeah. physically. Yeah. Not, ma- not not mass produced? Yeah, just like physically. Okay, 33 by 33. Okay, yep. Uh, <laughs> what is the smallest 3 by 3, like in size? Oh, oh crap. I don't even know this one myself. <laughs> uh, isn't it like... Best guess. Isn't it five, something around like 5 millimeters four, or something? 5.6 millimeters. Okay, pretty good. What is the largest in meters 3 by 3? Ah, uh, it's Nine. the Tony Fisher whatever Eight. one. I don't Seven. remember the size though. Six. Gotta guess. Ah, one point five meters. One point five seven. Oh my okay. god! Okay, all right. You're so close. Uh, you're so... <laughs> and our last question is: Why is clock the dumbest event? <laughs> uh, because it falls over. Yeah, and you need to like have different shapes of like cover boxes for it. Yeah. 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 Uh, the last one was a joke because I know how much you like clock. No, um, I don't. <laughs> oh, you don't? I thought you, I thought you liked it. Just because I'm good at it doesn't mean I like it. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was like your favorite. I mean, it was. What is your three favorite? Years though? ago. What? Yeah, but what is okay. your favorite? Fewest moves. I suck at that. I'm <laughs> the worst. Like, well, uh. since I guess you kind of won the thing so you you win my respect that's what you wonderful want. you win uh um, free oxygen anyways i am now recording wait no no i'm not don't talk i have to open up another application enable another thing because this is a pain uh it's okay it. now we are recording <laughs> yeah I mean, okay so ask the question again and then answer it <laughs> okay so there's this competition coming up and basically how it works is you get a pick your favorite three events. It's all out of the 18. Whole WCA. All 18. Eight, yeah, all 18. Yeah. So, and Kit's going to kind of talk about like how it's possible. Except FMC, so only 17. Oh, what a scam. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so this, this competition like stirred a little bit of controversy from what I saw. Um, but uh, I think it's a really cool idea. Uh, essentially, I wanted to have a competition where. You know, if there was something you wanted to qualify in right before nationals, this was your chance to do it. And even if you were already qualified in nationals, it was a chance really to just do whatever event you like the most. 
Um, so I thought it kind of was cool in both of That's those awesome. ways. Yeah, yeah, no, well, this is really tricky for me to pick because I'm trying to get sub 10 on 3x3. So obviously I'm going to do 3x3, three three, but I love big cubes. So I want to do mm-hmm. every single big cube. So you see, yeah. you're, making, you're making this hard for me. I understand. Um, <laughs> but here, So here's the reason I picked three as a limit. Um, I took an average competition. like a, I, took, I looked at several one-day competitions in the past around here. Yeah. And I looked at essentially how many events did people do and of course i did like every single one (laughs) right and there's some people who do every single event there's some people that come and only do one or two but i wanted to see you know in the first rounds how many event signups were there in total so basically like if you signed up for five events i signed up for six and someone else signed up for two you'd add up all of those numbers to see what the total number of like events yeah Yeah. not just the average just the sum yeah, okay. Some of it. Okay. And the sum typically for a one day competition came out to be in the low three hundreds. Okay. Okay. Um, so my thought was, well, rather than have me pick the events for everybody, have everybody just pick their own events in a way that, you know, we don't go above low three hundreds number of events for people. Um and with there being multi-blind, four-blind, five-blind, like really long events, those like not all events are weighted equally. Some are naturally going to take longer than others to get through. Um, so for a 100-person competition, if everybody picks three events, that's 300 event signups. That, yeah, okay. that's actually – that makes a lot of sense now that you talk, now that you explained it. But it's really <laughs> annoying to pick those three events because I yeah, like it's tough. all two through seven Mm-hmm. So, do you think this will be something we see more in the future? Because is this the first competition that's ever done this? Yes, as far okay. as I'm aware. This is okay. I want to, yeah, complete. I feel privileged. <laughs> yeah, this is really cool because, like, there was a lot of time I was waiting just for five by five to happen, so I could mm-hmm. get that sub right. two. Because uh, at Northwest Championships, I decided to fail, um, <laughs> so I, I had to wait like a half mm-hmm. a year. You know, to get to a competition right. that had it, and then I finally got it. But now you can like do it every competition if you really wanted to. That's, that's right. Do you it. see? Do you see this like being something that would eventually happen every competition? Um, I don't think so. Just because the one of the biggest drawbacks of this kind of competition is it really dilutes the competitor pool. Um, oh, is, yeah. Where like, um, you know, some events there might only be like three or four people that sign up, and you know, then they get a podium just because they picked an unpopular <laughs> event. Yes, yep. picks like clock and gets instant first place with DNF average. Right, and yeah, it's <laughs> so a lot of a lot of weird things can happen in a, a competition like this. So I am skeptical to say that this is the way of the future. Um, the I just think that for you know, generally you have to run like a two or even three day competition to fit in every, every single, single event. Yeah, right. Um, and I think that this is just a nice way because two day competitions are draining. Um, a lot of, you know, competitors, parents don't want to stay for a two day competition. (laughs) My dad can't even stay for an hour before having to go to Costco. (laughs) Right. And so, you know, it's, it's tough to run a two day event. Like my weekend's gone. I can't get anything done that weekend. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's tough running two day competitions all the time, but you also want to give people a chance 
to compete in their favorite events. So I think doing one of these competitions, you know, once to twice a year or so is good because it gives people a chance, like, you know, if they missed the, the competition that had five by five or the competition that had one handed, yeah. um, mm-hmm. it gives them a chance to be like, oh, cool, I get to still get that in if I ha- couldn't go to that other event. Um, it's just a nice way to make sure that there's a good event coverage in an area without having yeah. to have way, way too many competitions or, or to really do long ones. Yes, or do two day competitions all the time. Do you so? so... It's kind of... <laughs> so this is like legit my final question and that is how does the wca like how do you pick which event which events are going to be at which competition to make it fair and like why do they sometimes get switched out because last competition you were going to have oh and we switched it for pyraminx like how does all that happen i'm not sure what you mean by switching it for pyraminx Um... like you had two by two through seven by seven with oh and then when I checked next time, it was two by two through seven by seven with Pyraminx. and OH was oh, not for, there. Oh, for Eugene. Yeah, yeah, yeah Eugene. Oh, okay, okay, got it. Um, I don't remember the reasoning for that, but generally, um, so organizers come to me with like a proposed event list, and I have a giant spreadsheet that tracks like all the events at Northwest competitions, and what might have happened. Be- I'm guessing what might have caused that switch is like it was proposed to me as two through seven with one hand i might have said like hey we just did one hand at this other competition we haven't done pyramix around here in a long time oh yeah okay so that's probably what happened um i can't remember (laughs) exactly why that switch would have happened because one hand is a bad event yeah (laughs) hey Uh, you heard that carlin um but yeah so i it really depends on region. Um, most there's a lot of regions where it's a lot of newer competitors, and they generally just kind of want to do the basic two through five, one hand blind pyroscube kind of event list. Um, but you know, people in other regions, you know, they want to make sure with a lot of experienced competitors, like let's make sure that we rotate in and out all of these events to make sure that people get a chance to do them. Yeah. Um, um, so. I, yeah, I it's it's kind of a balancing act there. Yeah, I want to go back to the whole entire pick your three event thing. Is it yeah. like, do you think you'll ever like choose pick your five or pick your four instead of just three? Because three's a pretty small number for like all. It day. is a pretty small number. Um, I think we'll have to see how Oregon State goes. Um, because I intentionally picked like I debated for a long time between three and four. Five is kind of a stretch. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but four what, five is five blind or just five by five. No, picking five. <laughs> Kyle, oh, you're oh, sorry. lost. Over two. <laughs> um, so I think that five is a stretch, but three or four is probably the sweet spot of what you'd want to do. Um, and I decided because this is the first time we're doing an event like this that I'm just going to go with three because I don't want to, you know, totally kill us <laughs> yeah. for doing this kind of competition. Um, if it stays under enrolled, because like currently right now, I think there's only like 20 some people signed up. Um, I'm keeping an eye on that and there might be a chance that like, you know, if we yeah, still because... only have like 40 to 50 people sign up by like mid May that I'll email everybody out and say, Hey, everybody, you can add a fourth event. I'm kind of liking um, this idea because there's actually a chance that I could podium in like seven by seven now. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm I don't like, think, cause, don't cause like if, like, be, right now. because if all the fast people don't do it, then I actually have a chance and I like yeah, that idea. That's a good plan. 
And I think currently, like, even the 3 by 3 psych sheet, like, most people who are good at 3 by 3 like, don't really want to do it because they get to do it at every comp. Yeah, the um, only reason I'm doing it at every comp now is because I need that sub-10. I'll stop every comp once I get that sub-10. I promise. All right? Yeah. You'll stop <laughs> seeing like, my name. <laughs> there's, like, I think, let's see, one person doing 7, one person doing 6, one person doing 5, one wow. person doing feet. I love one this person doing this is clock. automatically my favorite competition here. So there is a chance that if I did feet, that you... I could podium <laughs> even if I just solve it. That's right. Yeah, that's why huh. I like this. And I can yeah, do... and this is why this competition actually caused a lot of controversy because it was seen as a way for co competitors to like farm podium results or whatever. So what? I mean, that's what's... kind of my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm on the website, and there's already a new competition in May. I like this whole entire every month thing. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when it was like twice a year in 2016, or two yeah, it wasn't, times a year. Wasn't, yeah, it wasn't quite as often back then, but it's uh, a lot easier when I'm not the only one organizing everything. Well, this and is I can... three, four feet. Ooh, it has square one. Ugh. I'm Yay, sorry. I love square I'm one. I'm sorry for disrespecting square people who do square one, but it's a, it's a disgrace to me because it's. Do you just, like it, Kit? Yeah, it's all right. He does. Um, I nearly I, messed up Kit's time during square one because I didn't read the the thing right because I'm 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 not I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, square one's not a bad event. Um, yes, it is. It's 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 not a great event either. Um, it's a, I mean, There's I think problems that, with it. CSP is really cool. Like, if I had a lot of time, I think that learning CSP actually sounds like a really cool thing to learn. Um, but if, like, you're just doing, like, pure, like, cube shape and then alg spam, it's a really terrible event just because the 50-50 chance of parity is really rough. Yeah, I hate um, that. Uh, I, do like that. I do like that it's, like, a fun event and kind of different and out there for a WCA event. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, you know, without CSP, it's kind of a bad event. Uh, but with CSP, I think it's an all right event. But it's you just get a 50-50 parity with 4x4. Four four. You do, yeah. I mean, that's why... No, I think, I think it's a 1 in it's a one in 4 for OLL. And a 1 in... It's not 50-50, I don't think. No, it's I, definitely 50-50. I swear... It's both of them added up. It's not just like one oh, or the other. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. If, if they're yeah. added up, there you go. Well, the, I, I was talking about the individual parody by by themselves, like PLL yeah. and OLL. Okay, that makes more sense. I was, yeah, I, I, mean, I was about to start a big rant there. Yeah, I mean, each two of ways. them, each of them is they're fifty fifty, okay. but like all two way combinations are twenty five percent. Yeah. Okay. If that's what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think the biggest thing about square one though is it's a short puzzle. Like you know, the world records are in the single digits and the parody alg itself takes like three or four yeah um, yeah which that's the biggest problem with square one is how fast the rest of the solve is and then there's this 50 percent chance that you add like four seconds and to that's, your solve. and that's annoying because like you're on a really good solve like let's say right. you're like uh tommy cesalia right and you're doing your square one you get everything done in, like five seconds then you get parody and it's not like a six it's like right but that's just the dumb. thing is most of the people at the top use CSP anyways, which eliminates parity. So yeah, but there are those people that use that whatever it was called. I'm not gonna try to pronounce it. 
Getting lucky is not a crime, you guys. <laughs> it well, is. C CSP works regardless of what meth like actual method you use. It's just a way of solving cube shape in a way that doesn't get yeah. parity. So that's it's it's a method neutral technique. You can as long as long as you're doing a method that's cube shape first, CSP is just a way that, to do cube shape and such that you never get parity. Yes. Yeah. By the way, we might divide this podcast up into like a part one part two thing since it's going long uh, um, uh, but well we've like you know we've been in you know what, US... for an hour and a half That's yeah not enough okay are you is this like way too long yeah i'm fine okay i'm um, expecting kit to have to so... go like make a banana smoothie or something like that because i've been doing this for too long <laughs> so so u.s nationals how they did the guanlong challenge I yeah. love that idea. Is that something we're going to see in smaller competitions? Let's make it an event, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so the Guanlong Challenge is something that uh, we have done at Nationals thanks to the Cubicle. That was one of their ideas that they had uh, first in 2015. Um, so they provide all of the puzzles, and they actually run the whole thing. It's something that we are very hands-off about doing. Um so it's just kind of a fun thing that they started doing. And one of the things that will, um, I don't know, it, it would be fun to do it at a, at a local comp, uh, but we'd probably have to like add an additional entry fee to those who do it just because yeah. we'd have to buy the puzzles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it's not something out of the question to do at a local comp. I think that just the thing about local comps is they're typically short on time anyways. And generally, like if you ask the typical competitor, would you rather have another official event or would you rather do a silly like Guanlong challenge? That not some silly. People, yeah, I mean, some people would be down for doing the silly Guanlong <laughs> challenge, but I think that um, most people would be interested in just having more official events. Yeah, yep. that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, I think, the, the gist of it. And you can't fill um, your puzzle with sand either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. one guy that actually I thought it was Mitch, and I thought he was yep. just being funny, but then I'm like, oh, wait, he's actually planning this out, because then the person who gets that cube will lose, and but they ended, like, they ended up switching it out or something, but that was hilarious. Yeah, I mean... It, it was intentional sabotage because he had to have the cube in the first place. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it wasn't like a, a winning strategy. It was just a sabotage strategy for anyone <laughs> who beat him. Um, oh, which was kind Mitch. of funny. Well, in the second Mitch. time they did it, the announcer, you could hear, he's like, and do not put unnecessary materials in your cube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Puts potato chips in it. <laughs> Well, I, yes, I mean, there's a lot of silly things that can happen in that sort of thing if people are taking it, you know, less than seriously, like Mitch did in yeah. 2015. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's a fun idea. I, I think, though, that it's uh, tough to do unless you have the money to buy, you know, a cube for every competitor. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a fun thing to do. I just, I, I think it would be difficult to implement in a local competition where time is strict already, um, and you'd have to, like, organize extra um, fee collections so that you could, you yeah, know, hold pay for the, the event. things. Right. It'd be kind of, what would be kind of cool, and maybe I could talk to the cubicle about this, is maybe, because, like, one of the big things that'd be hard to do is collect the money additionally, uh, but maybe there'd be a way that... Um, there could be some sort of way to register for the event. Like, say, like, if the competition's sponsored by the cubicle, um, 
that maybe like the cubicle could have like an order form for the whatever cube they're using for that challenge. Yeah. And say like, if you want to register for this unofficial event, go to the cubicles website and buy your cube directly there oh, by this idea. date. And then they'll ship out the box of all the cubes to the organizer. Oh, that's actually a good idea. That makes a lot. Yeah. Of... Yeah. And that kind of takes out the logistics of like getting the cubes for everybody. Yeah, but couldn't yeah, but couldn't you also like choose which cube you want on the cubicle? Like you'd buy a Valk or something. Yeah, I think I think it would be a specific order form for that oh, competition. Yeah, like, you they would, like yeah. When you click the link, it automatically adds it to your cart and puts you in the checkout. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That and it has like its own shipping deal. Like you wouldn't pay for shipping because it would just go with the organizer box. Like I think it would probably be like a separate order form that wouldn't be like something you'd add to your cart normally. Would you put like a like a speed limit on it so like people can only be this fast to do it, or it's like as long as they pay the five bucks or whatever, you they'd be able to do it. I think if it's a local event, I think that you would, and you're doing an open order form in this way. Mm -hmm. um, I think you'd have to have it be a. Um, I think you'd, like there's no way around it. You'd have to just let anyone who wants to compete compete. Um, but you could potentially do like a qualification round or something. You need and to then... be sub five on three by three. <laughs> yeah, like maybe the way you could do it is like have um, everybody do the challenge and then just do like a quick best of one round for everybody to get like the top 16 or top 32 or whatever you want to do for the bracket. Yeah. Um, but that's and kind I think of a it'd fun be better <laughs> if you like arranged everyone by average. So it's not like. Someone who averages 10 seconds goes against someone who averages like a 50 seconds and just blows them out of the water. It's just yeah. to make it a little more competitive. Right. Also, well, at the same time, though, the way you want to have, though, like a bracket set up so that the best cubers yeah. are meeting in the final rounds. And the way you do that is by separating the skill as much as possible in the first round. Yep. Something so, that could happen is if this got, like, if this actually was a thing. Mm -hmm. While seven by seven or blindfold, like a smaller thing is being held, it could be happening like in a separate room. Yeah, because mm -hmm. it's quite loud. <laughs> yeah, um, what I've seen at least. I don't yeah. know, just an idea. Yeah, but... it's hard to have stuff go simultaneous though. Sometimes, especially because if people, I mean, you have to like require people if you're doing that sort of thing. You can't do the official event that's happening at that time. There's a lot of problems. <laughs> just like yeah. hard to. Yeah, I think if you're going to do it, you kind of just have to set aside the time to do it. Um, so, I don't know. I think it's a fun idea, though. I kind of want to chat Phil, send him an email or something, say, like, hey, I can't, we, we thought of this idea. Let's, Let's I, I, do you think this. this could work. You think this could work? Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Phil sends out 150 guan longs. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I have some bad news. It is currently 3.32 on my clock. I need to go. And, I ha yeah, and my sister has a class at 4, and I need to send in a essay. Mr. WCA Delegate Kate Felix Clement, thank you so much for joining us. It's yes, been you. awesome. Thank you, awesome. Felix. Absolutely. Thank you, Felix. Oh, great. I got fast again. Awesome. Yes, you got fast. <laughs> Sub-10 immediately. <laughs> yeah, thanks um, for having me. It's been a pleasure. But yeah, if you have if you guys have any uh, comments or questions, contact us at theinteractivecubers at gmail.com. We will yes. see you guys next time. Bye. Goodbye. See ya. Is it may maybe it's his end. 
and he disconnected it looks like oh what a rage quitter dude <laughs> carlin okay oh man this makes my life a lot harder <laughs> i wanted it well i guess uh i'm just gonna spam carlin here with a's yeah no worries Yes, we have. Maybe it's his end that maybe that's why he left, or maybe his Wi-Fi died again. Well, I guess it's time <laughs> to cube now. <laughs> See if I can get an average of fifty in by the time he gets back. I'm gonna text him. Sounds good. Harlan. Oh, I love you, Crumbs. G-Perm took me three seconds. What is this? <laughs> That's not unnormal for me, I feel. I can't believe why Keek... I can't get a sub-10 in competition. Like, ever. I can get them really easily at home. Like, every two to three solves, I get a sub-10 at home. It goes to competition and it gets a billion 10-second solves. Yeah. Hey, are you guys there? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Carly scared me, bro. Hello? Yeah, oh, Carlin, can you hear me? Carlin! Bad internet. Are you guys there?